Uh, and and so, you know, to me, that should be an agreed, um, you, you know, monthly salary almost. And and you say, well, you know, the, 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 this is the, the, this is the the reality. So if you don't want to split the the, the the estate, let's say, or the or the you know your joint estate 50-50 in a contract, then then the answer is okay. I'm prepared to take a salary sacrifice, but not my entire salary. But I'm prepared to take a smaller salary sacrifice that you need to pay while I'm staying at home. My name is Diana and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt and investing for the future. Coming up in the show, Warren Ingram joins us to speak about a topic suggested by one of our listeners. She asked about the do's and don'ts prior to quitting your job to take over managing the household. Should the household CEO, as she puts it, get a stipend? Should the working spouse contribute to your pension fund? How do you deal with the emotional aspects of not earning an income? And the importance of getting everything documented. Enjoy the show. Warren, we had a very interesting topic suggestion from one of our listeners, and I think it's something that a lot of families actually consider. And the question was around one spouse uh, deciding to leave a job and become what the listener called a home manager or a household CEO. So um, I guess that's someone who takes care of all the household tasks and all the logistics. Um, And in this case, the listener specifically mentioned that the person is a young professional. So I assume that means someone who's who's qualified and is starting out in their career. In this case, uh, the opportunity cost of leaving a job is even higher. Um, And what, what would you advise, Warren, in terms of the do's and don'ts prior to quitting your job to become the household CEO? I think I think you're you're right, Diana. It's a huge um, it's a huge consideration for for a, especially for a much younger person who is a professional. Because if you if you plan to go back into the career, um, you know, in in the working world in the future, then you know you need to be quite active in terms of making sure that you retain your skill set, retain your knowledge base, you know, you, you know, and almost stay current as much as possible in your chosen field. Uh, but but just to go right back to the beginning, so so I think uh, to to me th- this must uh, start with with a financial conversation. So you know I guess uh, if we look at what happens, you know I, I, I'm I'm end up talking to a lot of people, uh, you know both at the marriage stage, but also a lot of people who are are getting divorced, and what you find is the person who stayed at home looking after children, their their earning ability. I, I believe, you know, just just looking at you know history, their earning ability is compromised actually forever, and and so that's an important thing to understand because you know you know if you leave if you leave the the the, the, the working world and you take you know let, let's just say a three to five year sabbatical, that that's three to five years of experience that your colleagues who didn't leave the working world, you know, that they, they have that they they it's built into what to what they're doing already. There's three to five years of knowledge that you might have missed out on if your if your profession, for example, is quite fast moving and, and evolving. And and so that's work that you can catch up. But 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 while you're catching up, the people that you are working with are are not catching up. They're they're continuing to move ahead. 
and and then I think also what happens is that you know the, the person who's, whose career to, takes a back step at you know even if it's temporary, they, they also find that uh, when 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 you know let, let's say slightly older children who might be you know late junior school or early high school when they get sick or something goes wrong, they, they, then there is still the, the implicit requirement that 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 the person whose career took a back step goes and 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 you know gives up an hour or a week or whatever it is to, uh, required to 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 help the, 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 their child or their children. And so I think that is, you know, it's a proper uh, conversation that has to be had on on day on day one before anybody gives up, you know, their time. And and so number one is, if it's around money, then what happens, for example, if we get divorced? And and my view is that the person whose career is taking a back step, it should be built into the the the, the divorce agreement or, or, or sorry anti-nuptial agreement that that assets are not split. You know, fifty-fifty. Well, you know, whether it's you know with the cruel or not, that doesn't matter. I think that the person whose career takes a back step, you know, the the, the split should be at the very least sixty percent in the person in that person's favor, and and actually realistically seventy percent. Uh, and it's amazing when you talk to people who are you know at pre-marriage stage about this, uh, you, you start to see the squirming and the and the wriggling in the seats mm-hmm. as people start to make this, uh, you know, this calculation in their head. But but I think that that would be my first point. It must be a financial con- uh, consideration and and the person taking the back step has to be really clear and really comfortable that, that they are in a compromised earning position, I think, for the remainder of their careers. And that's why you're obviously suggesting that the the anti-nuptial contract states that the assets aren't split 50-50, but split in favor of the person who's given up their career because they're compromising their earning ability into the future. So, yeah, that's a great point. And divorce is, is a big risk. And divorce is not something that people want to think about. Uh, even amongst my friends, my peers and colleagues, nobody wants to talk about divorce when you're going into marriage. That's why anti-nuptial contracts make people quite uncomfortable. But especially in this case, when you're thinking of of uh, quitting your job to to take care of household things. I think it's even more important. And and some of these things should be legally stipulated. I mean, is that what you would recommend, Warren, when you do a financial plan and you talk about somebody stopping their uh, uh, not earning income anymore? Would you actually write a contract to say how it would split in the event that the marriage ends? Absolutely. I think it's it, to me. I would make that that, that a precondition of of you know of how that decision is going to be made. So, you know, and, and I think in the old days it was quite you know patriarchal and and you know I mean I don't want to start a, a gender debate again, but but just to to go back in history, you know, it, w- it would have just been an assumption that you know you, you know yes, it will be the 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 wife or you know um, and and the husband will just carry on working. And and I think you know that we almost have to stop right there and say, hang on, you know, let, let's just review uh, who's who's actually best positioned, both from a career perspective and a career interest perspective, and then secondly, uh, earnings-wise, who you know who's who's better off for the whole family to to take on the particular roles. And it's I, I don't believe it's gender specific. And then you know it's it's even more of a conversation when 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 you've got same-sex uh, couples as well. So. So I think it must be part of the contract. It, it shouldn't just be, you know, everyone's, you know, kind of lovey-dovey and, and starry-eyed about uh, about having children. And of course, you know, I'll take a back step. And of course, you can carry on. I, I think it should be a really hard 
conversation that's very clear. Um, and and you know, to me, it, you know, contracts are, are interesting things. You 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 should spend time and effort on a contract and hope you never ever use it. But but that doesn't mean that you that, that you don't pay attention to to that. And and I think I would I would do it in both instances. One where you're saying I'm prepared to give up my career permanently. I'm going to you know become become the home CEO for 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 20 years while you carry on working and and we'll all retire together. Or you know I'm I'm prepared to take a back step for three five years. The 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 reality is that whoever enters the workplace again after taking that kind of a time off, their their ability to earn is 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 compromised, and often. You know, in a divorce situation, you know, it's not amicable anymore, of course. And and so the person who who was looking after children and now needs to, by, by, by sheer circumstance, has to go back to work, they're not going to be in the position where necess- they can necessarily put in 12 or 14-hour days, you know, as, they, as their kind of corporate contemporaries might, because they, they still have to be the, the home executive and now, you know, the, the, the double parent and... Uh, you know, you know, taking care of work, and and so I think it's a, it's a, it's a really might be uncomfortable, but it's a really critical conversation to have, you know, at the start. So the first tip is your financial discussion and what happens if the marriage ends. But um, something, something also quite practical is the the day to day management of the family's finances. So what are the working spouse's responsibilities to the spouse who is the household CEO. So should there be a monthly salary or a stipend? How are expenses paid? How, how should all of that work? I think it's a, um, it's another critical point that you don't remove the person who's staying at home. You don't remove their sense of independence and their sense of, of self-worth. Uh, and, and so, you know, to me, that should be an agreed um, you know, monthly salary almost, and and you say, well, you know, the, 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 this is the, the, this is the the reality. So if you don't want to split the the the, the estate, let's say, or the or the you know your joint estate fifty fifty in a contract, then then the answer is okay. I'm prepared to take a salary sacrifice, but not my entire salary. But I'm prepared to take a smaller salary sacrifice that you need to pay while I'm staying at home. Um, and that's that's independent of household expenses and and you know looking after the family and the children and all of that. That is my earnings, my savings that I need to build up uh, for for my retirement. And and you know we need to keep the, the the two kind of conversations quite separate. The the second part of it is then how do we how do we allocate uh, you know money for the family expenses? And I think that that's a you know that's almost back to a little bit of a normal budgeting conversation, which is to say. This is what our family spent, uh, you know, in the last six months or year before uh, we've had, you know, we're making this call. And so that that at the very least is a baseline for what expenses will be. And and then my suggestion to the to the working spouses, you need to have a really good understanding of what the cost of living is. You know, it's simply not good enough to say, well, you know, it was 10,000 rand a month five years ago. It, it's surely only now 11,000 rand a month five years later. You, you know, you need to be part and parcel of these of the, the, the expenditure conversation around how things are spent, uh, what, what, what things really cost. You know, it's not good enough just to kind of fulfill those ancient roles, uh, you, you know, that, that, that people did in the past where they complain and fight about money because, you know, you know, it's stressful enough being at home all the time, being the person primarily responsible for children, that you don't want a financial pressure on top of that. You know, I think that 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 absolutely can be a shared pressure, uh, and and something that you, you know the, the the couple work on together. You know, it's a it's a responsibility of both parties. 
and you know the, the, the classic sort of mistake of well I, you know I bring in the money you know you take care of the rest that I'm afraid is not uh, is not how life works um, and that's another recipe you know if you if you want to put pressure on a relationship you know uh, add money um, and 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 not shared responsibility to 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 already the additional pressure of children and and watch how a relationship can deteriorate so I think it's it's a you know a, a, a responsibility both parties should feel equally in the in the situation. And then my my comment also to to the spouse who's staying at home is you you, you should never feel any kind of guilt around you know earning or not earning money. I mean I think that you know the agreement must be that these are two roles that we are we are fulfilling for the for the betterment of our family. Um, and and you know they, they, it could easily have been an inter- interchangeable uh, role. So you know if, if I'm going to sit at home, you know that that has a real financial value. You know you can calculate what an au pair plus you know, a nanny plus, uh, you know, a housekeeper costs, and you can put a, a, a that, that's not a, that's not a small number. So, so I think, it, you know, you know, it's, it's a psychological, I guess we're almost having a coaching conversation here, but I think it's a, it's a psychological deal that people need to make, you know, espousers need to make be, uh, as part of this whole conversation. I want to come back to the uh, the emotional side of it just now because I think you made some excellent points there, but just on the budgeting side, if the spouse is leaving uh, work before having children you you might have a budget this is just my case and I, I think it's probably common to everyone but your budget before you have children and the budget you the your family household expenses after having children are, are really different so if you are on maternity leave or you've only got a very young baby um, you really have to factor in uh, a big expert like a big plus factor for for having kids so you have to really know whether you can your family can do without that one income before deciding to to leave your job because kids are actually quite expensive so so don't underestimate the the cost of sending them to school and all the other stuff and and that sounds like uh, you know hard-earned experience coming through there <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I think my expenses times by three uh, after we had two kids. So yeah, it's it's not insignificant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the other thing um, is retirement funds, Warren. So or retirement savings, let's say. Um, if you earn an income, some of your salary, I hope, is going towards saving for your own retirement. So the listener who who's considering. Uh, stopping work won't be contributing to that retirement fund or should the working spice contribute how can this be done and also in a tax efficient way yeah so 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 i'm going to make the assumption that the the, the spice who stays at home that, that has no side hustle doesn't earn money from from any other source then you you've actually got the opportunity to do some very nice tax planning because the person who's not earning a salary can naturally earn uh, much more interest, for example, than than the person who's earning a salary, because you know interest eventually gets added to your taxable income, and so if you're earning no, no taxable income, you you can earn quite a lot of interest before you're going to pay any tax, um, and and that also has a big impact on on the ability to earn, let's say, to to reduce your capital gains tax in the future. So you know if you're investing let's say in in unit trusts or exchange traded funds or shares and those shares need to be you know um, changed and managed from time to time the person who's not working can get a real tax benefit if they're in in that person's name so so i think that it's important to to make sure that uh, the the money that's not invested in a pension fund or a provident fund or an ra that that should generally be invested in the non-working person's name 
and and that's both a tax benefit, but also just a sheer financial planning uh, consideration. And, and and what I mean is, you, you know, let's say that the working uh, spouse dies in an accident unexpectedly, then then the person who's not working will will need access to to money in a very short space of time, and that might be you know required to fund the living expenses of the family for a few months or you know potentially one or two years if if the estate is not being wound up quickly. And and so in that situation, you, you know, you need to make sure that the, that if you're not working, that you've got access to money that at the very least will 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 cover let, let's say one or two years worth of of your expenses. It doesn't need to be sitting in cash like a money market or sorry like an emergency fund, but but it should be money that you can access in a, in a very short space of time, and it should be in your own name so that you're not stuck you know at a bank or an institution that says you know sorry this is in the name of your late spouse and we need the executor to sign off or you know we need the estate to be wound up first so i think two very good reasons why why you need to make sure that the non-working spouse has you know a significant amount of the of the discretionary savings and investments in their name and and you know there's no issue with the working spouse continuing to contribute to to their own retirement fund because they can nominate their spouse as as the beneficiary, and that should move quite quickly. But but for the rest, definitely um, definitely discretionary money in, in in that person's name. And I think also making sure that there is sufficient life cover on the working spouse. You know, because again, you know, if you use the accident as the example, uh, you, you know, the, the the pressure on the on the surviving spouse who might be at home now to to financially cater for a family that you know might need to pay for expenses for 20 or 30 years before normal retirement age is real. And so you need to make sure that there's there's more than sufficient life cover as well. So Warren, just to go back to the emotional side of this decision, which which you touched on a little bit um, earlier on in this conversation, uh, there's a, a whole lot of emotional factors here, including um, the person who's not working, having to spend money and to ask their spouse for money, which which might feel uncomfortable, especially if they're used to being independent and having having their own money. They also might feel guilty. You mentioned they might feel guilty for spending their spouse's money. Maybe it's on luxuries. Um, and then on the other side, the working spouse can also feel quite a lot of stress at the burden of being the sole financial provider. There's a lot of pressure on the one spouse to keep their job and not be retrenched and to get promoted and all these kind of things. So the emotional side is also quite a big factor in this conversation. Besides the legal, the financial, there's the emotional. How do you uh, suggest that people speak about the emotional side of this decision, Warren. I, I think it needs to start right on day one, where where you agree that that uh, you know the, the responsibilities are shared and 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 agreed, and you know discussed on a regular basis. And and it sounds cheesy, but uh, but you have to look at yourselves as a team, and and each person is playing a role, you know, for for the benefit of the team. And and it's not good enough to say. You know, you're the you're the person that's working. You know, you got to go out there and, and earn the money. And you know, don't tell me about your troubles. I've got enough. You know, at, at home every day. Uh, j- just as it's not good enough for the working person to come home every day and say, I don't want to hear about your issues. You know, or you know, I, I generate the money. Make sure you spend you know less than what we're earning or whatever. It must be viewed as a collective deal and a collective goal. And and that means you know starting with a plan on day one, understanding that you know like any great plan, it's not gonna it's not gonna work out perfectly, and then saying 
you know, the principles that we that of our plan are, are, you know, that we we're in it as a as a team. But that means, you know, every six months we need to just sit down and just do a like a almost like a sanity check, a health check to say, how are you doing? You know, how's your your work going? Are you feeling the pressure? Uh, you know, is it is it okay? And it's not you know, that 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 person shouldn't feel that they carry the work burden. And and the, the the all the pressures on their own that's it's shared and 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 the same on the other side, you know because you might agree that okay I, I'd like to stay at home and I'll look after the, the children and after six months you realise it was a big mistake you know emotionally and psychologically it's something that you just don't want to do, uh, you you know the the door should be open for both parties to agree to 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 changing things and and you know I think that that's an equally important thing but uh, but the the starting point is. You have to view this as a collective. You can't kind of fall into, you know, into pre-assigned roles where, where things can't be discussed and changed if if both parties feel like that. Uh, and and just to understand, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm not a parent, but 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 I do think the first six or twelve months of of any new parents' lives are radically different, and the pressures are enormous. Um, and and so you know just knowing that this is a you know yes it, it's a rewarding you know um, exercise but it you know don't romanticize it it's going to be tough uh, and agreeing that it's going to be tough and giving yourselves the freedom to to struggle um, and to share those struggles is 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 as important as any other you know financial or contractual conversation you're having. Great, thanks so much for your time today, Warren. I really hope it's given our uh, listener, Liatile, some food for thought. Uh, it's a quite a big decision that anyone has to face, so let's hope that our listeners uh, go in with their eyes open. Thank you so much, and, and I, I guess my resident Hardy do I enjoyed the conversation too. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being.